Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Myra is an 84-year-old female here for her physical. Her weight has increased over the past 10 years, and she's somewhat frustrated by this. Despite uh, decreased calorie intake and that she's taking a walk every afternoon with her friends, her weight has gone up. Her HDLs have remained low, and her triglycerides are elevated. Myra's most recent A1C finds her at 6.2. When you ask Myra about a variety of her lifestyle and activities, she mentions that her sleep pattern is pretty good. She feels she gets five to six hours a night, and that's perfect. I like to watch the news in bed before I go to sleep, and then I wake up at 6 a.m. I don't even need an alarm. I just wake up. She's been in this pattern for quite a while, and she states, I don't need a lot of sleep, I guess. Could Myra's sleep pattern have something to do with her weight gain and her metabolic syndrome? Joining me today on today's program is Susan Feeney, Doctor of Nurse Practitioner at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Tract with the Graduate School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks, Frank. So, tell me a bit about sleep and metabolic syndrome. Well, sleep, which we all need, um, seems to be, there's quite a bit of evidence that short sleep duration, or less than six hours, there's a lot of evidence that it worsens metabolic syndrome, which you know is central obesity, um, hyperglycemia, high triglycerides, low HDL. And there's a lot of evidence that it worsens those conditions. And we can talk about the pathophysiology in a little bit. But there was a recent study, a prospective study, out of China of 160,000 people over a 20-year period of time that were healthy, that they took out, they, they, they ruled out uh, comorbidities. So they looked at, and they also controlled for insomnia symptoms and said, okay, does sleep duration have truly an impact or put a risk on people who don't necessarily have these conditions? And they found that there was definitely an impact for people who had less than six hours of sleep a night on a regular basis and controlling for insomnia, uh, pure insomnia, that it did. It increased risk of weight. It increased risk of um, hyperglycemia, of, um, of hypertension, and of high triglycerides and low HDL. So it did promote metabolic syndrome in people who were healthy before when the program started. Wow. So what you're saying is there's a strong relationship between getting too little sleep and yes. increased adverse metabolic outcomes. It's absolutely true. Why, why did they hypothesize this was the case? Well, what they, what they found is that, that when you get less than six hours of sleep a night, that there are certain metabolic mechanisms that go into place, that your body needs the restorative sleep that seems to be somewhere between six to eight hours for people. Obviously, some people need a little less, a little more. But when you don't get that, you are, your energy metabolism requirements go up. And what they see is a chain reaction of decreased glucose tolerance, um, decreased uh, in, impaired glucose tolerance, and impaired fasting glucose, and decreased insulin sensitivity. 
So all of the things that would heighten insulin resistance, that seems to happen as, a, as sort of a metabolic coping mechanisms for being sleep deprived. And they also say that there's the behavioral aspects is that folks will, um, because they're tired, they're less active. And they also will eat, uh, make bad food choices. So when you're, when you're looking for energy, what do you do? You eat more. And people who are sleep deprived, if you will, will eat more at a serving and will go after high energy foods, i.e. carbohydrates. So it's this sort of cycling, worsening uh, aspect. And of course, as people become more insulin resistant and become type 2 diabetics, then they also have a higher risk of a, a sleep apnea, which worsens the whole picture. Wow, that's very curious because I have noticed when I'm fatigued, I immediately go looking for some high calorie dense, horrible for me food. If I find a piece of chocolate or a cookie when I'm sleepy, it has no chance. Well, being a night nurse, I mean, if you, if I thought about the food that used to be in the nurse nurses station was donuts, peanut, you know, pizza. I mean, everything that was high calorie, high fat. Um, and it, you know, we just think it's bad behavior, but a lot of it may be uh, a coping, you know, a sort of a primal coping mechanism to keep our energy up. All right. So we know th this paper and, and other data supports the fact that low sleep correlates with adverse metabolic outcomes. How about too much sleep? Is there any data that shows sleeping more than a certain number of hours is bad for you? Yeah, it was interesting. There was um, literature recently came out looking at sort of a meta-analysis of all the the uh, research, and there's been so much information on short duration, they really wanted to look at, okay, what about all duration? What about too much sleep? And they found that in folks that got nine hours of sleep per night or more, um, that there was a similar type of risk of obesity and type 2 diabetes. And the, they hypothesized that it's really based on a lot of the same mechanisms, is that many people who sleep on a regular basis more than nine hours a night, it's usually because they have poor sleep quality. So we think about sleep as duration and depth. And if you're not getting all of the levels of your sleep architecture and you're not getting good quality sleep, you're gonna to try to sleep longer. But you're not getting good quality sleep, so you're still tired. You're still in that energy deprivation, sleep de deprivation mode. So. Oddly, you know, you're not you're sleeping more, you're you're supine more, but you're not getting the quality sleep, and you go into the similar types of, of uh, metabolic changes. Um, they had this really elegant picture in the article on a feedback loop, and they even said too that not having a lot of um, sunshine, daylight, also can worsen the uh, metabolic status of these folks because well, and they're sedentary. I wonder, too, about um, both too little and too much sleep and its correlations with things like depression and otherwise. You can easily see how, how these uh, norendocrine effects uh, have, have sort of a very wide uh, influence over the body. Right, and many of them will worsen because of the continued sleep. So mm -hmm. you think of someone who's depressed, and we always think of depression as disturbing sleep, either too little or too much. So if somebody has depression, the actual sleeping or being in, in, in bed and not getting quality sleep actually worsens the depression and worsens their me metabolic situation. Okay, so we have a good picture now of too little and too much sleep having adverse outcomes. How do we apply this to patients? Well, what it means is we need to take the time. We really, I was thinking about this today, that sleep assessment should be like this, the new sixth vital sign, is that we really need to take the time to look at people's quality of sleep. 
it takes time to do that, though. And because someone like Myra is going to say, that's how I slept my whole life. It's going to be very difficult to try to tease out or help her understand that maybe um, getting another half hour to hour of sleep would help her with weight loss. But I find with my patients, if you can bring in the possibility of weight loss by getting more quality sleep, that sometimes you can, you can help them do that. And it's really just spending the time on sleep hygiene. But, and, and, you know, that, it takes time, and you have to get that buy-in. Yeah, but I think you've made an excellent case for the fact that it should be a priority, as important as talking about exercise and dietary changes. If someone's struggling to lose weight and doing those things, this is an easy thing that we should be inquiring about and trying to help address. Yes. Well, well, Susan, this is terrific. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts? Well, I just, it's essential that we ask, and not only, you know, if someone sort of says, well, I don't need a lot of sleep, is to really investigate that with them and sort of tell them, well, the evidence says that you probably could get more sleep. And even do some uh, investigation of daytime sleepiness. People often don't correlate the fact that they fall asleep at 3 o'clock at their desk. Maybe if they got more sleep at night, that, you know, that, that might be a good assessment. And then also, if someone's sleeping a lot, understand that you know, it could be medication-related, it could be, you know, there, there are many things that would cause someone to need nine hours of sleep or more. So we really do need to make sure we're assessing that and to remember that uh, almost 50% of population has some kind of sleep uh, disorder. Wow, 50%. Well, thanks, Susan, for bringing this forward, and I'll start using this soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. Query your patients who are struggling to lose weight about their sleep patterns and encourage an appropriate amount, somewhere between seven and eight hours per night. Join us next time when we talk about the influenza vaccine, its implications in particular for our elderly patients who may develop adverse cardiac outcomes from undergoing a bad bout of the flu. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.